Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith, your hosts of the Marriage After God podcast. They say the Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s was the greatest spiritual awakening America has ever seen. What was it that made it so impactful? And do we believe it can happen again? In this week's episode, we'd like to invite you to invest in your marriage in a meaningful way. And by doing so, you will also be helping support this podcast. Simply take a moment and head over to our online store, shop.marriageaftergod.com, and grab a set of our devotionals or prayer journals. Here's some of those resources that we've written for you. The Ultimate Marriage Bundle, which is 30% off of five of our most popular books, 31 Prayers for My Son and Daughter book bundles, if you want to pray for your children. And those of you that are engaged or are waiting in a waiting period, we have 31 prayers for my future husband and future wife books. So we have written these as a blessing to you, and we want to encourage you to head over there and pick up a few copies for yourself, maybe for some friends. And in do, by doing so, it does help support this podcast. So now that we're past the formalities. <laughs> Hi. How's your week going? Um, I'm really sore. Uh, my whole body, everything, not just my rib that's healing, but like now it's like e- literally everything because <laughs> we're, we're still doing jujitsu, which we were just talking about this. I think it's one of the most consistent things we've done as a family. It is Sp- nice that everyone can do it. Wise, yeah. We're really proud of Wyatt. This week, Wyatt got his first stripe. Yeah. He's a white belt. a really big and deal. He, they, the coach called him up and our friend's son got a stripe at the same time, which was so special. And so we got to do a picture with him, but they call him up and then the coat, the, the professor gives him his little stripe, puts it on for him and then shakes his hand. He, he, was, he was so <laughs> happy. And I just was, it was in that moment. I was like, that's awesome. I want to keep doing this. <laughs> he got a stripe before I did, by the way. So our kids are doing really great. Well, it's cool for any parent who their kid is excelling at something, you know, they're, they're past the baby phase and they're starting to like apply skill. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. To feel that, like you're you're proud of who they are and what they're accomplishing, like it's just, I don't know. I know. I was talking to awesome. kids. If they keep going for like ten years, they could potentially be <laughs> close to. Like, they'll probably get to black belt before I do. Uh, we'll but see. I'm so excited for them. Jujitsu has been a lot of fun. But yes, I'm very sore. So how are you? I'm good. I'm doing really good. I don't know if anybody knows this. I've been kind of on a weight loss journey. Have I talked about it at all? I don't know. I don't know if I have on here. Maybe in the like January you talked about goals maybe. Okay. So maybe. Well, it's been, I've actually been on a weight loss journey for three years. Is it two years? Three years? It was 2021. Don't ask me about dates. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I've, yeah, I've lost quite a bit and it feels good. It feels really good to 
Uh, the same way I was just talking about being a parent and being proud of your child, you know, for their accomplishments. Like when I see the progress that I'm making and feeling different in my clothes and just feeling overall like more healthy, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm happy about that and I feel proud. Yeah. Because it's a lot of hard work. You're doing really good. Thank and you. I'm proud of you. Thank and you. you're getting better at jujitsu. And we, we, we try and practice at home. And <laughs> you're doing good. Thanks. And you you look awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So this episode, we're talking about the movie. If no one knows about it, if you haven't heard about it, it's called Jesus Revolution. It just came out. I don't know what date, but it's brand new. And we saw it a couple of weeks ago. We saw it a couple of weeks we went ago. On a Sunday evening. We went on a double date, actually. Yeah, that was fun. We, I don't. I think it was an impromptu. Like we were out and we're like, let's go see this movie. And we, <laughs> we just went to see the movie. And it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, but we wanted to talk about it today because there's some some cool things about it that are very personal to Jennifer and I. Um, but first I wanted to um, just mention that um, I think it's awesome to support Christian media where there's, even if, um, like, I always say, like, go to nothing's, watch. Yeah, nothing's perfect. I was going to say, nothing's, gonna say. nothing's perfect. <laughs> go, always go with a grain of salt. But the idea is, like, let's support Christian things. Let's support Christian directors. Let's support Christian movies. And and so it's a, that's a good thing to go see. So I think you should go see it. But I just want to read what the Christian Post wrote about um, this movie. This is like a little uh, review that they wrote. It says, Jesus Revolution an overtly faith-based film highlighting the revival that took place in the 60s and 70s, surpassed expectations on opening weekend, finished at number three at the box That's office. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. The film from John Irwin and Brent uh, McCorkle, is that how he's at? And starring Kelsey Grammer, Jonathan Rumi, and Joel Courtney, brought in an estimated $15.5 million. Mm. It's more than double what they were estimating. They thought it was going to cool. make like six or seven million which is awesome. And it says Jesus revolution came in just behind Marvel's Ant-Man and another movie. I'm not going to say what what the title is. And uh, also the magic Mike one. Uh, So it, it beat out a lot of these other movies that were supposed to be blockbusters, which I think is so amazing. That's awesome. And then uh, it says Jesus revolution follows Greg Laurie in the 1970s as he searches for truth and meaning on the West coast. There he meets a charismatic young evangelist, Lonnie Frisbee, who introduces him to Jesus and invites wandering youth to church, challenging traditional church culture. What followed was the countercultural movement that continues to impact society and the church to today, which is true. Like what, what are some ways that it is still doing that? Um, One of the impacts is the way um, worship is done. It used to be very just hymns. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot more like it's a band on stage that, that came out of this movement. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot more culture of um, uh, less dressing less traditional or casual dress. Yeah. Very casual. That, that came out of this movement, the mm-hmm. whole, you know, cause they're inviting hippies in. Uh, so that all that stuff trickled into like how we grew up in churches, like things that are pretty common to us kind of sparked out of this movement. Well, I think it's incredible that this movie did so well and better than they expected. I feel like sometimes with faith-based films, they can be, overlooked or maybe like not so much attention given to them. And so they get missed or, mm-hmm. you know, just well, I, people I end up watching them later. I think they've also gotten better quality oh, yeah. over the years. The quality of this one was really great. Yeah. The, the- theatrics it was, of it and yeah. the music and the acting. And uh, I think what f- fueled its popularity and it's it being so well is not just the word of mouth and people seeing it, but like I said, this movement hit a large generation. Yeah. Like it's our parents' generation. Lots of people. So there's lots of people that are like, Ooh, like I'm a part of that, 
which is kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, in a different kind of way because we weren't in it, mm-hmm. but we had we grew up in the after math, math of it, it all. Yep. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the generation that experienced that era and had like personal ties or connections in some way, mm-hmm. they're they're the ones that are. Uh, seeing the movie and then talking about it because it's almost like reliving that memory, you know? And yeah. so you, you get reminded I that happened to my mom. She went and saw it and she texted me right away. Have you seen the Jesus revolution yet? And I yeah. said, yeah, I did. It was really great. And she said, uh, she started talking to me about like when she was younger and what she experienced in uh, a different same area, West coast, Southern California, uh, but tent revival, but not a Calvary. And um, just her experience of, of, Mm-hmm. salvation and and telling people and writing letters to people and it was really cool so it's like there's nostalgic like i don't know well it impacted a lot of people and like you said we we're, we were raised in the aftermath of that we we, uh, we grew up in southern california so we have a lot of connections to this that we'll get to but um, speaking of you know the different sides of the story and like just hearing and, and being connected like your mom yeah um we watched this movie and there's a lot of things that we didn't realize were like Parts of it. Part of the story. Um, But we also, I was listening to an episode, a clip of Greg Laurie talking about the movie because he was a big, I I don't know what role he actually played, but probably producer. production, yeah. yeah. But it was about him. It was about him. And he said that, you know, there's there's a a bit of the movie that was dramatized and didn't happen exactly as it shows. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, always go into these movies taking with a grain of salt and just don't don't take it all at face value, but enjoy it, Mm -hmm. be inspired by it. and then do some research, dig into the the history of it because yeah. that's actually pretty incredible. I remember listen, uh, listening over your shoulder when you're listening to that interview with Greg Laurie and him saying like pulling out a couple parts of the movie and saying, okay, it didn't happen exactly like that, but the 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 way it makes you feel like mm-hmm. that is how it felt for them. Right. And I just as soon as I heard that, it was really interesting to me because I I think like why don't they just play it out how it happened exactly. Well, when he, because then it leaves me guessing, like, well, was that how it happened? Is that how it happened? You know. Yeah. Well, my assumption is that most of it is probably not exactly how it happened, because, like, some of the stories when he was retelling how it actually happened was a lot more boring (laughs) than this, you know, pinnacle moment of this, you know, connection happening. So, in order to make like this production, you got to condense some of the story. And also, coming like I know the main story was about Greg Laurie's experience and and Chuck Smith, but there's a lot of perspective with the different relationships and like the, the experiences that mm. people had and the people that were connected to the movie that we were just talking about the generation yeah. who may even see things a little bit differently. Like they may see the movie and say, Oh, that's not how it, that's not how it happened. Or, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's got their, their part to share in it, I guess. Yeah. And everyone does have their own perspective. And I, I, when I watched the movie, there was things like, I didn't know anything about Lonnie Frisbee. I've never even heard his name before. And so the, I went after the movie and just started reading all sorts of things about him. And, um, because there were things in the movie that like surprised me. I'm like, wait, that's that, that, that kind of stuff happened. That's yeah. weird. Um, which also just rem- reminds us that not everything in history, when you look at it, like when you look at it just from a distance, you're like, wow, that was amazing. But there was a lot of yeah. not amazing things in the middle of it, but God I mean, still moved. Well, just our experience alone over the last 20 years of ministry has been imperfect. And you get in these relationships with How people. No, it's true. Perfect. No, Jesus is perfect. But yeah. sometimes the ministry that he uses because of people, because we are not perfect, is imperfect. Mm-hmm. It's messy. Yeah, he's using 
Messy people, broken, broken people, people. The, the foolish things to confound the wise and the yeah. weak things to confound the strong. And, and so when I, I watched this, I was like, well, like, of course, of course there would have been yeah. messiness and it wouldn't have been perfect, but. Which is actually really encouraging yeah. because there's a lot of people in ministry today that you get put in these hard situations and you're like, oh, you know, I mm -hmm. just want it to be like, and you have this ideal, like, I want it to be like that or like this or like this person's church or that pastor and how, you know, mm -hmm. but like everyone's got their issues that they have to figure out. Uh, one, one thing that really, it just reminded me of the power and truth of it is we're not meant for fame. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're, God wants worship. He wants to be glorified. Like we're not meant to be on the, on the stage. Not, I'm not just talking about a stage, but like lifted up, looked at, like glorified. Mm -hmm. And so when God's doing things, we got to be careful and humble yeah. that we realize it is not about us. Mm -hmm. And we, that, that storyline gets played out in the movie. You see a contrast of like someone taking the glory and then someone not knowing what to do with it. And I, I don't know. So if you go, if you go see, I'm trying not to give spoilers away, but yeah. if you go see the movie, you'll understand a little bit. Overall, we really enjoyed it. And uh, we just loved seeing something that highlighted a period of time where so many people were coming to Christ. Like mm -hmm. that was totally awesome. And I think we're biased though, a little bit. Well, I think we are too. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to the film that we want to share about um, of why we liked it. But I will say that the first person that told me about it when it first came out was a friend of ours, they, a couple that went and saw it. And she said that um, the baptisms just made her cry. Yeah. Like ball. <laughs> I was like, well, I Aw. love when I love watching people come it's to Christ. Powerful. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, so this movie, we're kind of being around the bush, but it's nostalgic for us. What do you mean beating around the bush? Because we've been kind of talking about it. And, but what we're getting at is this movie, like the bias we have is because it felt like it was, we were a part of the, yeah. this history because this all happened in the towns that we lived in. Yeah. Like every single time we go back to California, where do we go? Oh, we go all over Orange go County, all over Orange County, all <laughs> the places, this Pirates Cove, like <laughs> we go to Pirates Cove where all the baptisms, we go there every single time. And we know about the baptisms. We've known this story for a long time because we've okay. heard it from our parents. I was just going to say that. Why don't you back up just a little bit and give your backstory? Yeah. So <clears throat> I grew up and my, my parents are what they, they always told me. They're first generation Christians that the rest of my you know family were not believers, but they became believers and they were saved. I, I text my dad with me. I was like, dad, you, you were saved in this movie or in this movement, were you? And he's in like, this movie. He, yeah, he was in the movie, extra. he was probably in the movie. <laughs> uh, and he said that they, him and my mom were both saved in at the tail end of it in 1979. Mm. And I just, I remember I have pictures of them standing in front of the Calvary chapels with the dove and they, they're wearing their seventies outfits and the, it's like a reddish pinkish picture because it's so old. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was raised in Calvary chapels. Cause this movie is about Chuck Smith who started the, he was in a Calvary chapel, started the Calvary chapel movement. And that's where this movement came out of as well, out of Calvary chapels. And, and until around 1990, I was born in 1990 or 1984 for the first six years of my life. We, we went to a Calvary chapel in, in Downey. Yeah. Your mom told me you were yeah. like in the school too. Like I was, I don't, I remember a little bit, bit of that. Um, I remember being in the school on the playground, but not much more. And then in 1992, we started attending Harvest Christian Fellowship, which is so Great Glory's Church. I didn't realize how connected the two were. Um, I I knew somehow they were, but I didn't understand it. So now when I see the movie, I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> this makes sense. So I grew up going to Harvest Christian Fellowship for years, all throughout junior high, high school, elementary school. And Great Glory we, pastored. 
yeah, Greg Glory was the pastor. I went and saw him every Sunday. We went to I went to Wednesday night but youth groups. I went to youth camps every single winter. Right every single su- I we lived like five miles <laughs> directly on the same street as Harvest. There's actually this there's there's this scene inside the movie where it's showing Riverside and, and Harvest that mm-hmm. where the church was going to be, and in the back there's this hill. That's La Sierra. Your house is on the other side. That was my hill. Yeah. Yeah. So my life was, was, I'm watching this movie and I'm just thinking like, I remember all this. (laughs) Like, There's that. There's that. It's kind of interesting because we live in Oregon now and we have for the last almost decade. But all those places are so familiar. It's like some of the shots and scenes. We're watching it. The palm trees, the weather, the beach. Yeah. yeah, All of it. And so we, I grew up also... um, in the in the in Southern California, there's a series of radio station or a radio station that pretty much played all Calvary Chapel pastors, and there was no music. It just was like one sermon after another, mm-hmm. and it was always on in the mm-hmm. car. And I, I attribute a lot of that to a lot of some of the things that I how I know certain things in the Bible and have understanding of the scriptures because, man, I was I listened to Chuck Smith almost daily, <laughs> and all of these pastors just. Sermon after sermon after sermon. I never knew how connected it all was. Yeah. So watching the movie was like, oh, oh my, oh, this is amazing. I didn't for me, realize all of this. For me, it was Greg Glory's voice on the radio growing yep. up. And it's, it's almost so like iconic. a, it's like a second nature father voice. Like when I hear his voice, it makes me think of mm-hmm. my dad and like just growing up listening all the time. I used to go, that's another thing. So Greg Glory, I used to go to the Harvest Crusades yep. with my parents. I, every year, the Promise Keepers, um, that every year that was in the, they would do them in the Angel Stadium and they would do them in all these big venues and there'd be hundreds of thousands uh, of people. So many people. And, and that remember at the very end, they'd do an altar call and the field would just get flooded. Flood. Those are some of my favorite memories of summertime. So all that to say, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty connected to my parents, like grew up, like were saved by it raised me in this, like in this community, this understanding, this way of thinking. So I don't know. It's pretty nostalgic. Do you, do you have like connection to it that way? Um, I think as I was watching it, just the iconic California landscape, Mm -hmm. it will always be home to me. Um, there's parts of California that I hold really like dear to my heart because of the memories that I hold with my family, you friends. Yeah. And I love to, um, experience that with my children now. And so the beaches that I used to grow up going to and having campfires, you know, with family and doing, mm-hmm. uh, baptism, church baptisms all they up and down the, the coast. They didn't, they still do them at the Huntington, Belbo, everywhere. Yeah, um, Corona Del Mar. Um, these are places that like Aaron just said, when we take our kids to go visit, we always take them to these places. Last summer, we climbed those, the rocks at, at Pirate, Pirate Cove. Cove and we yeah. went down. And remember, we went with my mom. And we explored the caves we explored. and we play in the sand and the water. It's not really caves. They're it's kind like of a shallow. Sort of a cave. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, that, just knowing like, oh man, I'm, I feel connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Did you ever go to Harvest? Um, I've been to the church sporadically, but, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't our main church. I went to Crossroads, which is in Corona, right down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was baptized at my church, not at one of the beach ones, but super fun. And I also went to all the harvest crusades that I can think of. So like, we must've crossed paths. Oh, I'm sure. At those. We had to. Yeah. Um, speaking of baptism, I was baptized at a harvest. I think it was a winter camp in the pool in the winter. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That sounds awful. They did it. They're like, okay, we're getting good. It was freezing. Uh, so I, that that was, I was baptized probably junior high. Mm. 
at a junior high camp. I was 13. Harvest Christian Fellowship Junior High Camp. Super cool. Yeah, I mean, those were fun. Do you days. remember too, we did um, a little bit of, well, one session of a marriage counseling at, at Harvest. Harvest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we weren't attending at that time, but it was cool to go back. That again, yeah. I, When we went back, I was like, I used to go here and look at the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a lot of memories there. Yeah. Wow. It so, grew like crazy over the years because mm -hmm. like Harvest, the campus of Harvest when we're in our 20s looked a lot different than when you were attending oh, when you were 12. <laughs> it grew massively. Yeah. So I, I just want to mention that there was a few things in the movie that kind of we didn't like or made us feel uncomfortable. But this is what's hard about it is it just a lot of it is just what happened. And so it's not like I, I wanted them to just embellish and change it to make it better. Um, but there was things that I didn't, I didn't realize that, that was going on. There was, there was experiences that they, they portray on the screen that I'm like, Oh, that that's what's going on here. Um, so some of the things that made me feel uncomfortable, um, there was a moment when Lonnie Frisbee, um, who is this young hippie evangelist who got, comes into Chuck Smith's life. And he's such a contrast because Chuck Smith was this proper, you know, in the word, uh, older gentleman, older gentleman. And then you have this young hips, hippie, not hipster, talking hip, different, hippie, looking different, all, everything. talking like the people that they're reaching out mm -hmm. to. Right. Which is awesome. And it, it just, it started to turn into something that I, we've seen in different ways and this public healing thing and ministry. And like, I don't know the way they were making it feel in the movie. It felt awkward and out of place. Mm -hmm. Cause it's almost not what forced? I experienced growing up at like, all. Do you mean like almost forced or like? No, not forced. Manufactured? Almost, no, almost out of, out of, a, it, like I didn't see it coming. Oh. Like I thought the movie was going one way because of what I, of my personal um, experience with Crossroads and hearing Chuck Smith and, and then this starts happening. I'm like, well, this doesn't sound, seem anything like what I grew up understanding of this, of the Calvary Chapel mm -hmm. culture and harvest culture. But I think uh, what they were doing is they were just showing this is what happened. It's actually one of the reasons there was a falling out between um, Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee was these differences of theo theological thinking mm. and ways of, of doing ministry. Um, so they kind of showed that they showed this like, Oh, this is a defining moment. And because it pans over to Chuck Smith and he's like, looks at his wife and he doesn't know what to do because he, because he wasn't expecting it either. So I, I felt like, Chuck Smith felt in the movie <laughs> was like, what's happening? But they, they just showed like, Hey, this is something that did start happening within this movement. And it, sh it also showed Lonnie Frisbee starting to want the attention. There's a moment that the, the uh, a reporters asking him, Hey, do you, do you consider yourself a modern prophet? And he stands there and he looks around and Greg Laurie looks at him like, how is he going to answer this? And he looks around, he's thinking, he's like, you know, God called me. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm a modern prophet. I'm like, what, what's going on? And, but they, they did it on purpose. They were showing that this, this situation did arise. So all I'm saying is, is learning history sometimes is not always pleasant because you're learning things that you didn't know before. So it'll catch you off guard. Yeah. And, and it also, it, it, it messes with your perceptions. Like I have this perceived, you know, oh, this is how it is. And then I'm like, oh wait, it wasn't, always that way or there was there was other things that were mixed in and anyways it, it worked out and like i said you should go research the story yourself and not just take the movie at face value but or even just what we're saying <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly don't just take what we're saying this is this is coming from my own perspective of what i grew up understanding of the churches i was in the, the movie did highlight 
brokenness in people. It did. And I think that's a real thing. Like that's an important thing to show mm-hmm. that just because something is a, a Jesus movement or a revolution or something that's really impactful in people's lives doesn't mean it's not messy. Well, and to assume like, oh, these must be all the really holy people that are doing this stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I just want to read some scripture here in first Corinthians chapter one that essentially talks about this, this idea of how God works through the people he's chosen to work through. Mm-hmm. It says this in starting verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God for it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where's the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than man for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world, worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were no, of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are mm. so that no human being, might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So at the end of this, there's a scene where Chuck Smith's sitting with his, his wife after there's this like break with Lonnie. And he's like, I don't, they want him. They don't want me. And she leans over and she says, how can you be so arrogant that God can't use you? Because he was thinking he wasn't able. The right one. He wasn't the right one. And he like shook his head and he's like, you're right. I need to humble (laughs) myself and just do what God's calling me to do and Mm -hmm. preach the word of God. And then he comes out, lifts up the Bible and he's like, this is the word of God. This is truth. I I don't know. just, that was a really powerful scene of just showing like, it's not about Chuck Smith Mm -hmm. or Lonnie or it's what God's doing doing, and that he is drawing men to himself and that our job is to participate in that by preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God, being faithful and loving. Mm -hmm. So that's good. That's really good. Um, I don't know if we're continuing on in this section of like things we didn't like about the movie. There Mm -hmm. wasn't a whole lot, but I think you probably pointed out the main thing that you had struggled with. That's caught off. Yeah. That caught you off guard. I think for me, um, um, (laughs) they're very superficial things. Yeah. (laughs) But the, the character who plays Lonnie plays, plays Jesus in in the the chosen and the chosen and to see him, there was a moment of like a a marital struggle argument with his wife. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) You're Jesus. I know it's, it's when we go, when then luckily the season, is it season two? That's how it's on break. It's on a break. And so luckily there's this distance between season two and season three. But I mean, he looks the same. He looks like, yeah, they made him look exactly the same as the movie. But, but I'm also, it's not like a doubt. It's not a downside. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he was able to play the role and that 
-hmm. he helped make the movie happen. It was just hard for my mind and that perception of like, wait, you're Jesus. You have to be perfect. (laughs) I had a transition. He's not Jesus. It's Lonnie. Yeah. I'm sure it happens to other people. Like when they have see actors go from movie to movie. It's happened with me. There's been movies I've watched and the, just the way they, the character plays out in the movie almost ruins it. Like I can almost never watch that actor again. (laughs) So I don't think that this happened, that happened in this movie, but we'll see when the next season comes out. There was another thing that um, used the word, um, it made me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, the relationship between Greg and his mom that they highlight. Yeah. That it it was sad. It was just sad and And, heartbreaking. Well, and that's part of his testimony, which I didn't know. Yeah. But I think that's the point is that it was hard. But I love the moment at the end where she like looks at him and she's like, maybe I, I can have this too. Yeah. Maybe I can have what that you have so, too. Oh, you just gave away. Part Sorry. Of the movie. It's okay. That was such a good one. Um, Go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give away a part too. Cause it was a part that I really, really loved. Um, Chuck's wife goes to drop off this big, like vat of food to oh, the house that they're so renting. Funny. It's full of people, full of the hippies. And she, she kind of has this car. moment yeah. of like, you know, she's God like, help me. She's like, okay, they're just people. <laughs> They're hippies, but, but they're just people. But it's so cool to and see. And I'm going to go in there and they're just people. <laughs> to me, it was like this breaking the mold, like go step out of your comfort zone and go do something important. That Yeah. It, and it was so simple. It was just drop off the food and her daughter was there. And, mm-hmm. but and she goes and eats with them. and so, like yeah. So good. And it felt so real that I was like, yeah, I get sometimes it's hard doing ministry, but like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. She's like pepping herself up. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. um. The que- one of the questions we have is, can a revival movement happen like this again? In our day, currently. In our day. And I have a question mark here for Asbury. I know a lot of you <laughs> listening have probably heard of the Asbury revivals and the, the college in, is it Texas, it a, I no. believe? No, Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. It was a couple of weeks ago. The reason I'm thinking Texas is because there's also um, something very similar happening in Texas. Mm. But Asbury and Kentucky... It was, it's been going, I don't know if it's still going, it it probably is not, but people are calling it a revival. And so I'm just, I'm wondering like, are we, can we see that? Do we, will we see it? Will it look the same? Will it look different? What do you think? Do you, do you think that not to say God can't do these things? I'm just asking how we feel in our own thoughts about this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an important question just to ponder and consider. Um, I, I personally will say, I believe in a God who can and so mm-hmm. if he does and another movement goes through America, like I, I think that would be wonderful. And I think it would be great because I think people would find truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, how we started talking about how the generation and the, the people in the era of the 60s and 70s who came to know Jesus through this movement. Mm-hmm. I think it would be incredible to see another revival for all of them mm-hmm. to be reminded of their purpose and to not forget that they yeah. are in need of pouring into the next generation yeah. and, and see a, re- not, well, not, br- not bringing ne- to the, this generation, what they received, what they received. So I'm not talking about necessarily like salvation again, cause they have that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a pouring out of, Hey, give the, yeah, give this to pass it on, pass it like, on, not just How sitting cool back, not just be? relaxing and retiring, but like, yeah. Hey, we were given something pretty awesome yeah. and amazing. And it was, and it, it propelled us into the, right. into our adulthood, but 
looking back and saying, where are the people that were like me Yeah, that are seeking God, but don't feel like they have a place? Mm-hmm. How can I, that, that would be an amazing, I was, the next question I had was like, what would it look like? Because I, I don't think it will look like it did then. Mm-hmm. The way, there was a lot of variables that made it look that way. The, there was a whole huge cu- community of people that didn't fit into the, that current church culture, mm-hmm. but they wanted Jesus. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it. Some of them didn't know it, but there was a lot that did want Jesus. And so that was, that was one thing. And so the, the question that goes along with this, what would it look like is who are the forgotten or overlooked today? You know, in the seventies, it was the hippies, yeah. uh, you know, who were looking for truth in all the wrong places. Um, but, it, but who is it today? And it actually, it makes me, it makes so much sense. Back then there was this seeking of truth, Right. But now there's this, it's almost like there's a war on um, what is truth, not seeking truth, but in making it. And defining it. Defining truth, which is totally different than looking for it. Yeah. And we, so we hear a lot of phrases over the last handful of years, like own your truth or what is your, your own truth? truth. Yep. My truth. This is my Live truth. Live your truth. <laughs> there's a lot of self-proclaiming truth out there. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it's people who truly desire truth mm-hmm. and want to know truth. But what is truth? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I think that's the problem is that they're trying, they want their own version of it. Mm. And so I think that's different than what happened then where people were, were willing to receive the truth when they found it. Mm. That's what they were, where they were at because the world was so chaotic and it currently is today. But I think in my opinion, I believe the re- the revival that's going to happen next almost it's going to happen in the church mm. because there's a lot of like one of the things that came out of this movement is of the very seeker friendly church model yeah you know bring your unsaved friends like that it wasn't always that way and now we have this like sunday mornings is geared toward um evangelism which mm-hmm. I, i'm not opposed to evangelism but not much discipleship and there's lots of struggles in many churches, especially the really large ones that have a hard time taking the ones that they've brought in and helping them grow. So I think, like you said, I think the only way that happens is if the generation that received this amazing revival moment that were drawn in, having their eyes open to that they are now the one that is to be doing that today. Mm-hmm in the lives of people that are, they, they're like, man, I believe in God. I don't know what, how to read the Bible. I don't know how to, what, what it means to be discipled. I'm just kind of living my life. I have this stuff over here and then I kind of have church over here, but like almost like these, these older men and women that experience that taking people under their wings and saying, Hey, this is how we do it. So a revival in the church almost. What do you think of that? I love, I love it. And it might be as simple as like everyone considering what your testimony is and what Christ's testimony is in your life and and his power and Mm -hmm. the way he's moved in your life and sharing it, simply sharing it, Mm -hmm. having the courage to go tell somebody this happened, even if it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, don't forget, don't forget what Christ, don't forget what Christ did for you and be willing to share it with someone because they might mm. need to hear it. Like Chuck Smith's wife sitting in her car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're just people bring <laughs> yeah. the food in. I'm going to love them. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we can do that. There's a, there's a problem that I've seen in the church 
and when I say the church, I'm, I'm saying just corporately, the, just the large conglomeration of, of the church. It's not one specific church, but there's this, there's many believers lately that seem to be fine with having no close Christian fellowship or have no idea what that looks like. Yeah. That they're fully autonomous. Like they're these little islands floating around and... Maybe they even go to church. They're just not connected. Well, they go to church that all their friends are at church and they, they have, you know, they have dinners every once in a while, but there's no being known. Mm-hmm. There's no being connected. There's no, um, this just the, the main word accountability, but really it's just being known like that scripture says that we know God or rather are known by God. Mm-hmm. And then in John, it says, if we say we love God, but hate our brothers, then we're liars and the truth is not in us. And that word hate isn't just Oh, I hate you. And I like, it's not the opposite of love. It's, it's more of a, it's a comparison thing. Like you say you love God, but you're not, you don't love these people. He's like, you can't do that. That's, I think that's a revival I'd love to see is, is the church coming back to when, like in revelation, when it talks about the first love, yes, of Jesus. But when you love Jesus, who is Jesus in this world? It's the body of Christ that we're a part of that they would begin to see the body of Christ and be like, man, I have neglected the body and myself in doing so. And just like you said, these men and women and and the the older generation and the younger generation, but coming together and really re-understanding, reconnecting to their love for each other and the church. Mm. I love that. I think, I mean, when the Bible says that the world will know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Think about the greatest message this world can see from us is how we love each other. Not this like, yeah, we're good friends. Like Jesus talks about this. He's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, even the heathens like do those sorts of things. He's like, we should have a different level of love for each other, a different kind of forgiveness and grace and mercy and patience. And I, I believe that that is the revival that God wants in his, in the world right now, because that will bring such a powerful message of the gospel to the world that they will not be able to deny Mm. who his followers are by the way we love each other in the church. I love it. So should people go and see the movie? (laughs) Yes. I think we should support Christian media. And I think uh, there's something cool about seeing dramatized historical, you know, learning about, uh, because a lot of people probably weren't even a part of some of this movement, mm-hmm. never heard of it. And it's just really cool to see something. It was a pretty miraculous and large scale thing happening in the United States. Yeah. I and it spread all over the world. I, I would answer that question by saying, um, go on a date with your spouse. Go, go on a double date. Isn't that our um, growth spurt for this week, this what, month? Is well, it's go doing do an, something. Do, yeah. Go yeah. do an activity. We'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, you talked about um, supporting faith based films and when we go and we we see these films, when you go on a date with your spouse, it becomes a uh, point to talk about. Like yeah. you can go and sift through it, you know, afterwards and um, and discuss it, discuss debate, it, debate, it. debate like, it. Do we agree with all the things we saw? What, you know, and, and go do your own research and figure out what's going on yeah. in this his, historical you know account. And I really wanted to kind of stress that point because there's going to be other faith based films that come out, there's going to be other titles out there that you're like, oh, this is Christian. And what I want to say is we can't label everything good, but it doesn't mean we can't go see it, view it, 
discuss it with your spouse and mm-hmm. talk about the points that were impactful and, or maybe the ones that weren't, or, you know, yeah. how, how will this affect our culture? I think I, those things are important. I want to piggyback off that in going any, any Christian movie, even the chosen, any, any Christian media, we should never use it as our way of understanding doctrine or understand, understanding scriptures as in directly, like, what does the scripture say? Take it like we should test everything. And so I don't want you to go see this movie and think, oh, that's how we should do things in every situation. There's this idea of prescriptive and descriptive. This is a very descriptive thing. This is things that did happen in, in an essence, like we talked about. Right. Not the movie's exactly. not saying that you guys should organize your church based off of what you just saw. Or, or operate in the way that this person does or right. that person does. So we always got to test what we see mm-hmm. and hear and learn against the scriptures. Because mm-hmm. the scriptures are what are the authority in our life, mm-hmm. not Jesus movement movie or the chosen. Yeah. So we can enjoy those things as long as we do it with wisdom and um, discernment mm-hmm. and say, oh, I'm going to enjoy this, but I'm also going to test these things. And I'm going to also take it with a grain of salt. And if there's something that inspires me, I'm going to go test that against the word of God. If there's something mm-hmm. that I'm uncomfortable with, I'm going to go test that against the, against the word of God. So we can do that. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, the growth spurt for this month is very simple and hopefully fun for all of you couples out there. Um, but it's spring into fun and do an activity on your next date night. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, go see a movie. You can go see a movie. <laughs> you can go play pickleball. You can go on a walk. Um, weather's starting to, uh, it was a little sunny out today, but then it's also been snowing for us still. That's just for here though. Oh, true. But I bet it's really I nice in California. Lot, I did hear there's a lot of like, like what weird weather all over the place. So oh, really? I mean, depending on where you're at, do what you can. Cool. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be outside. It doesn't. Outside <laughs> is nice though. Cause I like going outside. Go do something fun. All right. Why don't you pray for us, babe? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for the Jesus revolution of the 60s and 70s. Thank you for the people who came to know you in that time and spent a lifetime dedicated to following you as a, re- as a result of it. We pray your spirit would continue to move in powerful ways to draw people close to you. Whether or not we see a major revival like this again, we pray your Holy Spirit is working in our midst to show people their need for salvation, to surrender and to trust in you more. We pray for discernment as we enjoy faith-based media and know how to share about it according to your will. Please help us to navigate our conversation so that you are glorified. We pray our hearts would be inspired to consider the different ways you have moved in the past and that we would remain hopeful for how you are moving today. We pray you would move in our marriages and use us to draw others close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? 
Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.